The original intent for diversity equity inclusion was to go from a segregated society to integrated society. Every corporation, I say this in, in front of every meeting, nothing about corporate America was invented, designed, structured for people of color. Nothing. Most companies, until recently with the tech evolution, started 40s, 50s, and 60s. As some of us have said in planning meetings, looked at budgets, nothing about the budget was specifically designed for the total addressable audience. It was for the majority audience. And then everything else was an afterthought. And that's been the case for the last 60 years. The big question. How quickly can brands and businesses change and modernize in response to the changing demographics globally? The future of work, demand for modernizing the practice of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and industry corrections. This is why we started the Change Podcast by Reframe, to help people leaders like you get answers that accelerate inclusive change and growth that reflects where the world is going. Get ready as we host a discussion with people leaders faced with the same challenges and modernize their approach to solving a decades-old problem. I'm your host, Jeffrey L. Bowman. For the final pilot season, we're turning the microphone inward and interviewing a reframe. What is reframe? And why the ambition for solving a decades-old problem using an innovative change approach? In this episode, we interview both founders, Chief Executive Officer Jeffrey L. Bowman and Chief Technology Officer Safraz Sears. They talk about the reframe journey, how they got started, and how they validated their services with software with more than 40-plus Fortune 500 brands and businesses. Get ready as we host a discussion with people leaders faced with the same challenges and modernize their approach to solving a decades-old problem. I'm your host, Jeffrey L. Bowman. Join us and subscribe via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find more pilot season episodes at getreframe.com forward slash podcast. And let's get started. I'm Jeffrey Bowman, co-founder, CEO of Reframe. Reframe is the first tech-enabled change management platform. People are all over the board in terms of what does diversity, equity, and inclusion mean? So our job at Reframe is to land what the meeting is and then address what are some of the gaps as it relates to it. And so when you think about the title, DEI is not enough to save your brand, it is a real serious claim and it's based on eight years of research and development with Fortune 500 companies. When we say Reframe is the first tech-enabled change management platform that helps build inclusive experiences at scale, a lot of people are like, well, what is change management? What does tech-enabled mean? And so these were some of the things that I wanted to unpack after spending 15 years on the client side. If you think about most people of my age, I'm a Gen X, we are what I like to call two to three generations removed from the civil rights era. 
what I mean by that, 1970 was literally the first class to graduate that was integrated. So that's Gen 1. Flash forward 10 years, if you graduate in 1980s, that's Gen 2. 1990s, that's Gen 3. And so we're literally only 30 years away from the integration of America. So not that far when you talk about graduating in that particular time frame. And so when you think about how is it that we can go from that era to the current state and still use old models, old models meaning when America was highly segregated. And so as I matriculated through the different companies, we kept using the same practices as to integrating Pepsi, P&G, Miller, Ropel, Dell, and Sears. So I said, if I ever got the opportunity to shift or change that, I would. And that happened at Ogilvy. At Ogilvy, created the first cross-cultural or cultural practice for the industry. And it was really about using some of the same things that we do to shift attitudes and behaviors from consumers to shift attitudes and behaviors as it relates to employees. Some of the same things that we use on the consumer side, segmentation, attitudes and behaviors, so that you then get to the intersectionality. But it's not around terms that we often make up are terms that we offer and innovate around, but it really is around how as you as a human shift your attitudes and behaviors and how do you relate to certain clusters and how do you find those nuances as it relates to how you're being made to feel, act, and do. So that was our premise. And as I went back and look at the history of diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as multicultural marketing, there were a lot of similarities. As America, from a macro standpoint, was starting to shift in the 60s, at the height of the civil rights movement, that was the beginning of the practice of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what do we mean by that? If you think about the company that had the first protests around this idea of being more diverse was Xerox. There were no DNI professionals in the 1960s, by the way. There were very limited DNI professionals in the 1970s. And because of that, particular time period, we begin to associate this practice. Notice I'm not implicating DNI as a topic, but how organizations practice diversity, equity, and inclusion started in the 1960s around racial, ethnic designation as to how many people are acquired from a talent, how many people matriculate from a talent perspective, how they elevate, and how they retain and reward and eventually terminate it. The question begins to ask, Where's the impact? I think there's a study out there, less than three black CEOs exist in Fortune 500 companies. In the 80s and 90s, we still had those same numbers. So then you begin the question, is DNI working as a practice? One would say, hey, no, it isn't working because we haven't seen the investment, we haven't seen the impact. And so when I was writing my book, Reframe, the marketplace, I stumbled upon a white paper in the 1960s that McKinsey had written. And it was around the changing face of marketing. And so we go back to why is it that that white paper didn't stick in the 1960s? Because you had so much civil unrest. So the idea of focus on what we call today the total addressable audience, there were no data as it relates to attitudes and behaviors, but McKinsey was saying, hey, don't get so entrenched as relates to racial ethic. Focus on your total audience. That didn't stick because of the 
things that were happening from a macro standpoint. So we leaned into the ethnic and racial in terms of the definition of the practice of diversity, equity, inclusion. McKinsey lost. They wrote the white paper, set on the shelf. And then we spent from the 1960s up until 2020, focus on this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, KPI being race and ethnic outcomes. And nothing has really changed in terms of the practice of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, when we uncovered that paper, we reintroduced it. Once we reintroduced it, we did what? Developed what we call a change operating system. And that was in 2015 when we launched Reframe. And so when you think about change management and you think about this idea of, hey, why is it that we haven't changed anything? The original intent, for diversity and inclusion was to go from a segregated society to integrated society. Every corporation, I say this in front of every meeting, nothing about corporate America was invented, designed, structured for people of color. Nothing. Most companies, until recently with the tech evolution, started 40s, 50s, and 60s. As some of us have said in planning meetings, looked at budgets. Nothing about the budget was specifically designed for the total addressable audience. It was for the majority audience. And then everything else was an afterthought. And that's been the case for the last 60 years. And so when you ask the question, will DNI save you? The answer is no, because that wasn't the original intent from a corporation standpoint. What organizations needed was a transformation, was a change management approach. And that's what we've created at Reframe. We started and built the first inclusive experience design practice, as well as a change operating system. And so in 2015 to 2020, we pretty much focused on validating their approach. We had over 40 engagements with brands, but we were not practicing diversity, equity, inclusion. We were practicing inclusive customer experience design, and inclusive employee experience design. Before we even got into the practice of the change piece, we were missing one thing. It's a maturity model. When you think about digitalization, if you look at any of the early beginnings in the 2000s, you had a maturity model. CEOs wanted to go from analog to digital. So what did they have from these consulting companies? was a digital transformation maturity plan. And so when we begin to think about how do we solve for this decades-old problem, we had a change operating system, and we built what we call a culture maturity assessment tool. For those of you who have your phones, if you type in www.getreframe.com, you can take our mini culture maturity assessment. Many cultural maturity assessment tools based on over 3,000 interviews, multiple iterations of the tool, one-on-one interviews with a number of different companies, and then we said, hey, how do we scale this tool so that every organization understands at what level of the cultural maturity they're at? Jeffrey and I met in 2015, and some background as to why I'm sitting next to him today is, um, you know, I grew up in a small country in 
the on the Atlantic coast of South America called Guyana, pursued a degree in computer science there, and really had a passion for solving large problems using technology and enterprise software. So met Jeffrey in 2015, and being new to the U.S. as I moved here in my very early adulthood, kind of got a feel for the gaps in corporate America, what Jeffrey was solving for with Reframe, and essentially was hired to build marketing websites with Reframe, but got to learn the business a little bit more. And then we immediately pivoted, starting a build, an initial build of this enterprise software solution in partnership with Salesforce. Which... Uh, let me let me jump into that because when I went back and did the research in 2015, McKinsey white paper stood out. Right? Ah, no wonder we're still struggling with this because there's no maturity model. As we begin to think about what else is missing, if you think about consultants who go and solve this. They give you the playbook and again, guess what they do? They leave. Yeah. So you have to think about scale and sustainability. Yeah. And so so Fraz went on a few calls with us. And, you know, think about it. I literally put out an ad, said, Hey, looking for someone to build a marketing website. And we got a contract with a beverage company doing the services part. And then we said, Well, if you really want to solve this, you got to scale it and sustain it. Yes. So to Jeffrey's point, really what was missing was the technology on the scale from with the passion, trying to build enterprise technology to solve large problems. This was like, this made a lot of sense for me to jump into this with Jeffrey. So we started that build in 2015. Uh, was it? Oh, it was Salesforce. Salesforce, right? Salesforce partnership. Ah. Yeah. So... That didn't work out for us. And then eventually the client that we had partnered with terminated the contract. So, you know, Jeffrey and I were left. We knew that this gap existed as far as the technology. So the immediate decision was to make that pivot, started building the software ourselves. And then we knew that Fortune 1000 companies, 2% pre-COVID, were not digitally ready end-to-end, as, as Jeffrey mentioned. So saw the immediate gap. Knew that we had to build it, jumped into building what Jeffrey just spoke to a little bit, the cultural maturity model. That cultural maturity model required a lot of testing. And how many engineers did you have on your team? Oh, we had at one point, we were up to 10 engineers. Yeah. No, not in the beginning, though. No, it was just, it was just me <laughs> in the very beginning. But, you know. Um, and how many lines of code did you have to write? Uh that's a very large number. It's about 800,000. Yeah, see? Given where we're at today, so... Fully bootstrapped. Yeah, right? We are fully bootstrapped, so did everything from ground up. Jeffrey spoke to the validation a little bit, and we, with the customers that we had, it's a lot of feedback getting the product out there. So essentially what we did, we built this alpha version of the product. One thing I'll say, as we went along on that journey... If you look back, most companies ask us today, what is so different about not only our approach, but the technology behind it? Simply put, Reframe is, Reframe's cultural maturity assessment really is the first cultural maturity assessment in the workplace that you can use today to identify those gaps within your organization and then 
course, Reframe has the, the other solutions as well in terms of treating those gaps as far as the technology goes, as well as the services. So, you know, really end-to-end services on the consultancy side, and then we have the software to ensure that you have that massive scale. So, And sustainability. Yep. Any regrets? No, absolutely. You should. I mean, I... I yeah, signed up to solve a large problem, and uh, I knew it was a large problem. So, you know, D&I, culture in the workplace, corporate America, it was all new to me. But Jeffrey has been a mentor. I learned the space, learned the gaps, and really was able to bring my technology expertise to towards solving that. So, you know, I think we're, ah. we're getting there. People leaders out there listening or watching, thank you again for investing your time with me today. So I hope this episode was valuable to you. And if you are a new people leader listening or watching, thank you for tuning in for the first time. And don't forget, you can find all of the resources, links, and show notes at getreframe.com forward slash podcast.